Welcome into this episode of Farzcast. Farzine Vasugin here with you on a weekend. We don't usually do weekend podcasts, uh, but I uh, wanted to talk about a subject that I think is very important. We will not be sticking to sports on uh, on this uh, particular podcast. So it's, as you can see with the title, it is going to be a very different podcast. Uh, Facebook.com slash Farzine Vasugin. Also, uh, Farzine Vasugin on Instagram and at Farzine21 on Twitter. Uh, all my other links uh, also available on the podcast description, so please check all of those out. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't shared the links with your friends on social media. All right, joining me on this podcast, my good friend Melody McAllister, all the way in good old Alaska. Melody, what's going on? How are you? Hey, Farzine. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on the show. You know I love you. You're like my little bro. You are, we, we talked about this a couple of days ago because I want to have you on to talk about this particular subject, but we were trying to figure out the time. You're obviously busy. It's been a hectic two weeks. Feels like a lot longer than two weeks for me. So you are up at 7 a.m. You're more dedicated to my podcast than I am to my podcast. So I appreciate that. No, of course I want to, um, I always want to support you and your podcast. And I appreciate that you even asked me to be on it. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I got a question. When does the snow start in Alaska? Because we got a tiny bit of that this morning and everyone's freaking out. Well, um, so I think the first snow came maybe a week before October, but it was just like a dusting. But two days ago, we got the first really big snow. I mean, it was so much snow. So it was what, this November 2nd? No, so much snow that even Anchorage, my kids didn't have to go to school. Like they closed down the schools on Thursday. Okay, how many inches is like the requirement for like, okay, we got to close school? It wasn't the inches. It's the, I think it was due to transportation. It was unsafe. The roads were unsafe. It was just snowing, snowing, snowing. And I think that's why they called it off was just transportation. I I try not to go out in it. It didn't seem super deep yet. It's not like it's just the first big snow. I mean, it's going to be feet deep um, in a matter of a month, you know? I remember we were in L.A., I believe. Um, it was around, I want to say around like early March, mid-March. Um, and it was like in the 50s, 40s, and there was snow. It was like a half inch of snow, and they're freaking out, talking about potentially canceling school. Like, you don't yeah. hear that anywhere else. They, um, I mean, they freak out when it rains. Oh, yeah. Because their infrastructure is just not prepared for it, you know? Yeah. It's dangerous. Their roads get real slick. And I mean, honestly, I was surprised they called off school here, but we were already, we don't have our studded tires on yet. Like our appointment to get them on isn't until this coming week. And it's, it's a bitch to drive those, the, our SUV around. I mean, they'll slide on the road and people aren't very um, sympathetic around here. You know, nope. they're driving like maniacs. Oh, I so, know. Oh boy. Yeah. Part of the reason why I have uh, a dash cam on my car is just to see, like, if I can capture any stupid drivers, post them online. Uh, you get some, you get some crazy footage if you uh, drive around enough, like I do. But anyway, no one cares about that. Um, yeah, the reason I wanted to bring you on on this podcast is uh, you're, I mean, you're you're a teacher, you're involved in education, you're an author, you do all, all kinds of great things. Um, there was a video that came out a couple of weeks ago that um, that really got a lot of attention. I first saw this because Micah Parsons, I don't know if you know who Micah Parsons is. Uh, he's the uh, linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys. He was a defensive rookie of the year in the NFL last year. He actually reached out 
to this kid trying to I obviously you know when things like this happen you see athletes try to reach out to the uh victim of um of bullying situations uh and I thought that was awesome that was really cool uh mm-hmm. other athletes got involved trying to reach out to the kid uh the the story hasn't really there hasn't been a lot of updates the uh, so so let me just set this up for those who have not seen it I did talk about this on a podcast last week. So there was a special need. It's a high school, Arvin High School in Arvin, Texas. A special needs student is pretty much forced against his will to let these bullies who brought clippers to school to shave patches off his head. And there are tons of kids around filming and giggling and having a good time with it. And there's even a security guard in the background laughing about it. Uh, A security guard. Um, the, uh, high school sent out a statement there were a bunch of protests, parents, teachers, everyone, they have actually, uh, protested outside the school and the, the school put out, you know, typical statement. We don't condone this, blah, blah, blah. Well, two things. Number one, um, there's they a security did in fact condone it. <laughs> there's a security guard laughing. Yeah. A security guard. Number two, I did some research. There was already a student in august of this year that took his own life and that Mm. mother is getting involved trying to help help out this student that got that got bullied the special needs student trying to prevent the same thing from happening again so not only did a student from this same high school already take his own life you have now a situation where kids are now picking on a special needs student not that it's ever okay to pick on anyone uh but to, to do it on a special needs kid it's just i mean come on it's very cowardly um okay they're more likely to be victims special needs students are yes for sure uh obviously i just threw a lot out you uh Mm -hmm. this situation a pre a recent very recent incident and the security guard what what is your reaction when you hear all of that as as a teacher someone who's been in the classroom someone who's seen bullying what's your reaction when you hear all that yeah so you know um i was just reading about it and i can't I can't even watch the video and I don't want to watch the video because just reading about it has given me a visceral reaction where I have like, you know, tears that came to my eyes. And I just, I can't even imagine what this kid's going through, what his family is going through. And I'm just, you know, the school for them to say that, you know, they don't allow this when they're, you know, their employee was watching it. It's just, it's a farce and it's terrible. It's, it's horrible. This, this has been allowed to happen for a long time. I mean, I, you go do a simple Google search and you will find that this is where, you know, bullying happens. It happens outside of the school, on the school grounds, in the hallways, on the stairwells. I mean, literally it happens every day in schools and you don't have to be an expert to find where it's going to happen at a school or who it's going to, who's going to be targeted and special needs students are targeted uh, more than, you know, than non-special needs. But, you know, what's interesting is, um, you know, obviously there are a bunch of kids in the video that went viral. You can see a bunch of other kids filming the whole thing as well. It's t- almost 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, these kids are probably on their phones more than you and I are. Right. So, I mean, these kids are probably on social media quite a bit. Um, I think these kids, I don't, I don't think kids read the news a lot out there. Um, but I think these kids at least know enough to to be aware that when there is a bullying situation it and if there's video of it it goes viral so i think the the first place i kind of want to start with is oh okay obviously bullying's not okay but 
knowing that these kinds of videos go viral and there's a lot of backlash that comes with it, why did these kids think it was okay to film in the first place, knowing that they're probably going to get their asses kicked verbally by every single person on this planet on social media? I don't think they're actually thinking about that. I don't think they're thinking about the consequences. And a lot of times I know this in young males, like who weigh the consequences of being in trouble. And um, that's how they, they might weigh it for a second and they jump in anyway. Um, but I mean, look, look, there's this mob mentality, you know, there's the short-term benefit of being in with a crowd. And I mean, then, then you look at like January 6th. I mean, all these freaking adults were trying to overthrow our country, you know? So like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same type of mentality, you know, they may have weighed the consequences, but they felt like what they were doing um, benefited them more in the moment than what the consequences were. And they were probably right on. I mean, they probably knew that they could get away with it. I mean, if that were my child, I mean, oh my God, I would just, I would lose it. I mean, I actively, as a parent, my husband and I, we actively um, watch what our kids are doing online. One of our kids has a cell phone and I mean, that privilege is lost. Uh, you know, we check the phone probably, I will say that we probably need to check it a little bit more than we do. But, um, but when our kids are online, like even yesterday, my daughter got into my um, son's, you know, login and changed his avatar and used some of his points. And I know that sounds silly, but if she thinks that she can do that as like, you know, a second grader on a computer program, you know, that's, that's where it all starts, you know, have, feeling like you have this freedom of being able to do anything online um, and get away with it. And she told me about it with pride. She was so like, oh my God, this is what I did to, you know, my other kid. And I'm just like, this hey, is at least she right. was honest. Do this. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, and she's learning. I mean, the fact that she yeah. told me about it and thought it was funny. These are the moments that you talk about it. And we had a serious discussion. She lost her privileges. And, you know, um, I don't know, as a parent, I'm, I'm sickened by this. Um, we just, we let our kids have so much, you know, uh, freedom and we're not always checking them and you know more parents need to be involved we cannot blame just the school for this and we can't blame just the parents i mean these are high schoolers you know where is their conscience and uh you know i'm i'm interested to see what happens next and especially with these with these teenagers that were involved i, I did want to stick on the subject of like phone usage cuz there's another video that went viral now a lot of times with with these viral videos uh, some of them could be like brand new, like they just happened the week of, or sometimes they could be a couple of years old. Um, there's one video I just saw this week that went viral. It's one student following another with a knife, and that student is trying to stab another student. Um, now, thankfully, that student, I don't know if they knew martial arts or what, but they were they were able to defend themselves. There are a lot of students in the background just watching. watching. Um, and I, I, I do want to, I do want to get into that. Yeah, yeah, bystanders. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a teacher who quickly gets in, uh, disarms the knife, hands it to a female teacher, and tells her, hey, go get security fast. Then he shouts on another teacher, hey, come help me break this up. And they break it up, and the video ends there. Um, I do want to go to the bystander thing because, listen, I, 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 I'll never forget this. I was, a, I think, a freshman in high school. It, it was gym class, and we were all changing, getting ready because gym was over. And then there were two kids um, who, um, I, I don't know, they just didn't like each other and they wanted to go at it. And I was the first person, I'm like, okay, come on, you guys don't need to be doing this. Meanwhile, 50 other people in the room are like, no, 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 stay back. And I'm just like, what do you do? You're, you're kind of outnumbered. So here's my thing. Like, I don't, 
agree with bystanders, and I know you don't either, but at the same time, it's like, I think kids, especially at that age, if you're outnumbered like 49 to 1 and everyone else wants to see the fight happen, it's kind of like, what do you do? Because if you do get involved, then maybe those 49 other people will pull you back. Um, How do you feel about that kind of thing? Well, I mean, the bystander effect is powerful, you know, and then you put in uh, the the peer pressure and maybe, like you said, the desire to see something negative happen. You know, you've got you've got a deadly mix right there. I think it takes a lot of courage to speak up, especially when you're younger, especially in high school or when you're going through adolescence. And especially if you don't have parents that are really modeling that for you or showing that to you. Um, the bystander effect is real. I mean, that's why we have that term. You know, that's why we have to combat that term and say, you need to speak up. Um, but, you know, bullying happens all over, you know, even as adults, I have been oh, yeah. um, bullied in the workplace. I think it is um, permeated, you know, especially, and I, I'm not trying to get super political or anything, but we live in a capitalist nation, right? Um, a cap- Did I say that right? It's morning here. Forgive me. And I haven't had any coffee, but like, you know, it's a dog eat dog world and that is championed. So bullying has that as well, like the strong over the weak. I mean, some people like, you know, champion that as well, even parents. So if you don't teach your kids to speak up or they don't feel like they have a voice in the first place, you know, it's working against us. Okay. So how do you talk to your kids about this? So, okay. Let's say that situation in Arvin uh, high school, uh, whether your kid was a part of it, or even if your student had nothing to do with it, or maybe your student wasn't even in the building that day. Uh, but I, it, considering it went viral, I, I think you kind of have to, you know, have some sort of a discussion with your kids. Yes. Um, as a parent, where do you start talking to your kids about bullying? These are great questions. And I'm so glad that you're asking me this. It starts with them as young kids. It starts with modeling. You can talk out your ass to your kids, but they will not listen to you if they see you living a lifestyle that is different and they will call you out on it and become bitter as well. I mean, believe me, I I try to live everything, uh, my truth and my kids still call me out and roast me. But anyway, I think it starts when um, when they're younger, you're modeling it. You have to, as a parent or as a teacher or as an authority figure, you have to be on record at some point defending the underdog or doing something that is right, knowing that more people are probably not going to be on your side. Your kids see this. You know, um, if you're somebody that's always going to go with the popular belief or whatever is easiest, your kids see that. If you have discussion with your um, kids as young people, like this is wrong. Why is this wrong? They're going to remember that. But they're also going to remember when you actually put that those words into action and defended somebody or used any sort of power that you had to defend somebody. You know, um, something when we see homeless people, there are times when we stop and, you know, we may not have money to give them, but we have food and we offer that food. Um, or I do sometimes, I know a lot of people are like, don't give them money. They'll use it on drugs. Well, who the fuck cares? I don't care what they use it on. If I can help them a little bit, I will. My kids have seen me do this on a regular basis, right? That's what stands out to them. They know that we don't consider ourselves higher or more worthy than anybody else. They see mom and dad sometimes helping others. And, um, that really stays with them. And that, that becomes a part of, of their repertoire when they're thinking of the tools that they have themselves, you know, that they can, that they can speak out, that it is important to speak out and to speak up and that, you know, they're going to have parents to back them up. 
you know, I, I remember there was another bowling video that went viral years ago. I, I don't want to talk about that incident specifically, but I remember um, listening to a sports talk show on Sirius XM. I think it was called MMA Today. Um, mm-hmm. AJ Hawk was a part of it. He's now part of the Pat McAfee show, which is widely popular. But I, I think the other one was RJ Clifford, who covers MMA very closely. Um they talk about that incident and they actually pose the question. They're like, as parents, would you rather be the kid that uh, would you rather be the parent of the kid that got bullied or the parent of the kid that did the bullying? And they both said they'd rather be the parent of the kid that got bullied because if they felt like they mm. were the parent of the kid that did commit the bullying they would just feel like they failed as parents like that'd be their first yeah. immediate thought obviously that's not the most important i thing feel like in the i moment. would fail both like yeah i mean if either one were my child i would feel just complete low um i think socially in very in very different ways though mm-hmm. because you know kids that are bullied are usually more loners um they they tend to not have as many friends they may be special needs you know <clears throat> Bullies target kids on purpose, you know, and not to say that every bully out there has parents that are awful, but there's also a lot of times when bullies are victim of being bullied themselves and are just acting out in a way that has been happened to them. And a lot of times when victims of bullying uh, feel empowered, like they decide like it's enough, they actually themselves become bullies. And there's a lot of um, things that they have in common, you know, bullies and victims of being bullied. So isolation is one of those things. And you could probably be, I'm sure that there are some amazing parents out there who have kids that are bullies or amazing parents out there that have kids that are being bullied. I mean, you can't always fault or pinpoint who is going to do what or blame the parents. Um, Obviously that relationship is important. And when you find out what is happening, how you respond as a parent really makes a difference as well. And I know that there are bullies out there that have changed that have like, really tried hard to to make right what they've made wrong in any way that they can and have actually used you know their their story as a way to help other people to understand that it's a real problem so i believe that most people can change i believe in forgiveness you know i wrote uh, the i'm sorry story because i because i do believe that people can change and that you can help you know make right or make wrongs right you know as, as much as you can as a, as a person so um, there is hope and um, yeah, I would I would feel terrible either way, whichever one was my kid. Uh, you do mention like the the whole loner aspect, and we you also mentioned earlier uh, kids with special needs do get targeted more. Um, mm-hmm. I, there are some positive bullying stories, like like stories where the bullying gets shut down by kids. Um, mm-hmm. So there was one. In fact, I was just typing this out. Uh, basketball players stand up, and after mm-hmm. you type in those first four words. The rest of it fills on its own. So it's basketball players stand up for bully cheerleader with Down syndrome. Um, I I didn't bother looking this up before our conversation. Uh, It just came to my head when you were talking about this. Um, Mm. So the story, if I recall correctly, there was a basketball game going on, uh, a high school game, and there was a cheerleader on the team who has Down syndrome. And I guess during the basketball game, like not like a timeout or anything, like during a live game, uh, three players just actually got off the court and they shut down uh, this person who was bullying a 
kid with Down syndrome, a cheerleader with Down syndrome. So there are some positive moments like this. But my point of bringing this up is, you know, we talked about bystanders and loners and how, you know, Mm -hmm. it can be 49 people saying, hey, let the bullying happen. Get away. Don't break this up. Uh, Meanwhile, if it's, you know, like, listen, basketball players are the cool people in the school, right? Um, If those people stand up, which unfortunately we don't hear a lot of this, so we don't know if this stuff happens often. But if they're the ones who can speak up on this, um, guess what? A lot of other students in the school uh, actually will will listen to those kids more often. And next thing you know, the bullies aren't they don't feel like they're in the majority anymore. They feel like they're in a very small minority. And and the more right. you can make a bully feel that the more the bullying shuts down. Unfortunately, we don't see or hear about these kinds of things often. Right. And, and I agree. And what you're what you're talking about is empathy. You know, students that are leaders that have empathy, they know that they have a, an important role in their school. They know they have a lot of eyes watching them and they also have empathy for other people. And that is an amazing combination to have. You know, um, empathy is something that means that we care about what others are going through, that we can feel what others are going through and we want to do something, um, we, we want to take action. You know, and in our schools, that's often not necessarily a priority in learning. You know, we talk about like in the state of Texas, um, the last year that I was there um, as a, as an educator, you know, 90, was it million or billion dollars? It was, I think it was billion. I think it was like this, un this, this crazy amount of money, how we put towards, you know, state testing and Texas isn't the only one. Almost every state does this. They put so many billions of dollars towards state testing um, and it may be millions. I may just be like tripping right here, but it's a I mean, lot it's of a, money. It's an ungodly amount of money. And what are we trying to make sure that our kids graduate with, you know, the saying that they're, they're capable mind, their minds, you know, they know this, they have this knowledge, this basic knowledge, or are, are they empathetic people? Can we measure empathy? You know, what are we putting, what are, where's the money going to develop programs that help develop that? Um, and again, really empathy is something that is modeled that young kids see. I can tell you that growing up in a faith-based home, while there was a lot of things that were wrong in that, I definitely believe, believe that my faith has given me a lot of empathy. Um, I know that you're a very empathetic person. So I also attract like people in my life that care about others. And those are who my friends are. I don't attract people that don't, you know, care about others. And, and so again, this is what our kids are seeing. You know, it's a whole, it's a whole community, the, the school, the home, um, the actual workplaces, you know, what are we, what are we showcasing for our students? And um, when you see students that have that capacity of empathy and are willing to use their reputation and their role uh, to interfere with bullying that is happening, I mean, that community did well, they did right. You know, those young people are going to be leaders, good leaders. They already are leaders. Yeah. So give me an, oh, by, by the way, remind me what grades you, you, you've taught in the past. Yeah. Well, in the public school, I have taught um, fourth, fifth and first grade. Well, and in homeschool, I've taught my, my, my oldest up until seventh grade. So I've taught like every elementary grade and I'm actually certified to teach through middle school. So how have you handled this kind of thing in the classroom, whether it's a verbal or physical uh, situation uh, with bullying? How have you handled that in the past? Yeah. And you know, what would be a fair question is to ask my former students, to be honest, because they might, they may say that I'm full of crap um, because (laughs) I've always just tried, but I mean, you know how kids, 
you know, there may have been things that I, I, I didn't do well, to be honest. Um, but I always tried to have good relationships with every single one of my students. Now I was an elementary teacher. So I had at one point, I think the most I had was like near 30. Okay. When, um, so for me, that's, while it seems a little bit difficult, like in the grand scheme of things, I had 30 kids that for me for a school year were my priority to develop a relationship with a relationship with their families. Um, and you know, there, there's a lot of flack right now. I've been reading articles about like, you know, you shouldn't expect teachers to go to like after school events and stuff for students. And that's just too much to ask. And maybe it is for some teachers, but that was definitely part of who I was. Like I loved my students. Most of my students are still in my life. You know, they're, I have students that are getting married that have gone through law school, they're doctors, they're, you know, uh, it's, you know, they're grownups, they're having families of their own. I'm proud of all of them. I have students that have had um, drug addiction problems that have been in jail, you know, but when they were in my classroom, they were, I felt like they were a part of my family, even as a young teacher that really didn't have much to, <laughs> didn't have as much, you know, that had, I'm sorry, had more to learn. It's just, I've always loved them so much. And I think also it was because I grew up where I, I felt very unseen as a child. And so I never wanted any young person in my presence to feel that way. And one of the things I wish I had done better, there are quiet students that don't talk a lot until the very end of the year when they finally feel comfortable to speak up. And um, that is something that I always wished that I could have done better too, to make sure that those kids always felt safe. I had, I talked with those students usually at the end of the year. I'm like, what could I have done better, you know, to help you? And, um, a lot of times they said, you know, this was the first year that I felt seen that I felt like somebody saw me for who I was. And while that is, that is wonderful to hear good feedback for a teacher. You know, I generally had these students as fifth graders right before they went to middle school. And so I wonder why the system took so long to see these kids for who they were. And, um, you know, that was my mission when I went into first grade was to make sure that every single one of my first graders felt loved and seen. And, um, you know, that to me is more important than teaching curriculum and content. And again, I still have relationships with my students, with their parents. Um, when, when students came through my door it, and I made sure on the first day of school and I'm back to teacher night to let my students' parents know that they were just as part, they were just as much as part of my school and um, community as their kids were, and they were welcome into my classroom. And I did have parents come into my classroom and were a part of the stuff that we did, the fun stuff. I did go to the movies with my kids, like, you know, as a class event, I did, you know, my husband and my family got involved because I couldn't just do this. You know, I have five kids, my husband, and we have five kids together. So I think as a family, we kind of just adopted my, my classroom, you know, and, um, I, I feel like it worked out. I mean, I guess I would have to ask my husband, he never seemed to not enjoy it. So, um, I feel like it was, you know, mutually benefit for beneficial for all of us. But again, I, I see we, and we talk about this. I will tell you with my students, we have honest dialogue. We talk about racism. We talk about, you know, whatever is happening in their lives that is uncomfortable, you know, and I am always willing to listen and change my mind when I'm learning from my students. And just because I'm a lot older than them, doesn't mean I don't have anything to learn from them. And um, I have much to learn from them, in fact. And I feel like that was real and that was felt by them. And that made me an effective teacher. And I had some years where my test scores at the end of the year were phenomenal and on top. And I had a couple of years where they weren't. But I always feel like my students grew in my class. And I feel like the number one thing I did 
um, for them and with them is to meet them where they were and to make sure that if they were a 4.0 student or a 2.1, that they knew that I loved them and that I was there for them to help them grow wherever they began when they came into my classroom. Interesting. No, that's great stuff. Uh, it really is. Uh, what about like in a situation where, um, like, like, like if a, if a student is being picked on, um, mm -hmm. how did you handle that kind of thing? Like, how do you address that? How do yeah. you stop it? How do you talk to the kids about that? Right. Well, I think the, the best thing, I have a couple of instances that come to mind. Um, one of my students whom I love, he called another girl in the lunchroom, a bitch. <laughs> and I got really pissed off when this happened. I brought both of them into my classroom and I confronted the young man and I said, you can't call anybody, you know, any of these young ladies or really anybody because, you know, people call bitch everybody, but you cannot call her a bitch. And he was like, oh my God, I can't believe you just said that out loud. I'm like, well, you did, you know, why can't I say it, you know, out loud. And he even said, well, I'm going to tell my mom that you said that out loud. And I said, well, I'm going to beat you to it because we're going to call her right now. And I'm going to tell her exactly <laughs> what you said. And I'm also going to tell her that you threatened to, to um, tattle on me to her. And so that's what we did. We called his mom up right then and there. We talked about the entire situation. I told her exactly what I told him I was going to say. And, um, you know, she was pissed. I mean, she was obviously, you yeah. know, knew that what he said was wrong. And I will tell you that um, he never did it again, not in my class and not in the lunchroom. Um, of course, again, I only know, you know, my students might say another thing, but I will say that he and I developed a good relationship because um, I called him out on it, but I also forgave him and let him be, you know, he had consequences that he had to face, but then it was also a clean slate. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, um, even the next year, I remember like whenever I had cell phone problems, he always helped me with my cell phone. He was a techie little kid. So he would help me. So there's still a way to develop that relationship. I had these two girls. They had very, very strong personalities and their classmates either liked them or hated them. And sometimes both. And I remember they just couldn't stand each other. And it was just, it was going on. It was like the first two um, months of my class. And again, I think I had, this as a, you know, they were fifth graders, but I had them all day and self-contained. And so I was able to talk with both of them individually. And then when it got out of hand and they just, they made each other cry, um, you know, I brought them in during lunch. And so we had lunch together, all three of us. And I, I had them write out exactly how they felt, what, what it felt like when the other girls said what they said. And um, I mean, it was lunch we were eating, but they were crying. They read their notes to each other. This doesn't always work because a lot of times you can't put the bully and the victim together. It's not safe and it's not fair for the victim. But these girls were equally victimizing each other. You know what I mean? They were equally hurting each other. And so um, they read their letters out loud to each other. I mean, we all freaking cried. You know what I mean? And um, both of them told me, you know, no one has ever, you know, done this with me. We've never like eaten lunch with the teacher and we've never talked about some of these things. And obviously some of the things that were coming out were they were jealous. You know, they saw things that they liked in each other. They were jealous and they didn't know how to appropriately talk about it. And they wanted to be friends. <laughs> they just couldn't get through that, um, those barriers, those emotional barriers. And they're fifth graders, right? They're, they're going through puberty. They're going, they have so much, if, if we don't stop and talk and address these things, they're just going to continue on the path that they are doing the stupid shit that they do because their, their minds are not mature enough to handle all the feelings and emotions that come their way. And, um, I would like to think that these girls were, you know, good friends through the end of the year, but I will say that 
they still had their struggles and we still had to talk. But I know that both of them did tell me that no one had ever done this and they had both been bullied. Both of them had been bullied in previous years. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I remember a situation in uh, my senior year of high school where um, there was a student who took his own life. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, there were, I, listen, I don't know the full story. I'm not going to get into the details of it, but there were multiple reasons for that. And some speculated as to whether or not bullying had anything to do with it. I, I'll tell you what, and listen, I know in life, a lot of people, me included, I, I'm sure you as well. A lot of people learn the, the hard way. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't always have to be like an extreme situation, but all kinds of different ways. But I'll tell you this. Uh, I remember when that incident happened. I don't think I really recall at least in my grade class, or at least just, just the people who I was around, um, there were no mean comments directed towards anyone else, really, the rest of the year. Uh, yeah, and obviously it was graduation, so a lot of us obviously moved on. But, um, you know, it, it's just sad that, you know, you don't ever want it to lead to things like that. And, and by the way, I, I, I know someone listening is going to twist my words and tweet me and say something stupid, but sometimes these bullying instances do lead to school shootings now. Obviously, that's it's not true. okay. No one, no one here is is condoning that. But you know, sometimes these students they just feel like they're not being heard. No one wants to listen to them. No one cares that they're being bullied. But whenever they bully someone else or say something, all of a sudden, you know, they're in trouble for that kind of thing. So they feel like this is what they turn to. I, I I'm just, you know, right. th- that's just that you you've been in school before. You were a kid once. I was. So was everyone else. Um. This kind of this is the last thing I did want to touch on. Uh, is there any? Well, I don't really have like a direct, like a specific question, but is there anything else you wanted to bring up that we haven't maybe touched on uh, in this conversation? No, I, I think we've talked all, uh, about a lot. And you know, as teachers in Texas, we always had to take these trainings before the school year, and they were usually the same tests. And we had to, and one was about bullying and what to look out for. And so we had to pass these tests and and sh- you know give the papers that said that we passed with the score to our boss. This is always part of our like pre-year training. And um, so we are aware of the bullying problem, but it needs to be more than just a checklist item. You know, the only way that this will really change is if parents, teachers, and school communities and just local community businesses really come together and focus on something that works for their community. Like they have to be um, in dialogue and they have to show empathy. They have to be modeling what it means to come together and work together because that's what our young people are seeing more than anything. You know, um, we have to be watching, we have to be present and it's hard. I mean, I get on my phone too much. My kids will tell you I'm on my phone too much. And part of it is my job as well. But um, I mean, our kids have to know that we are present in their lives and the more present we are with them, the more present they're going to be as well. And the more that they understand that the power of how we use our technology, including our phones, mostly our phones, um, you know, we, that has to be something that we're constantly talking about with our kids and the community has to come together because every community is going to face something a little bit different than another. And it's like they say, the saying, it takes a village and it's true. Yeah. You know, it's not just a parent's fault. It's not just a school's fault or a teacher's fault or a kid's fault. Like there's just so many players in this and um, our kids see, our kids know what they're going to get away with. Our kids know who is going to care, who's going to step in or who is not, you know? And so we have to be very present with them and, and just make this more than just a checklist thing. 
um, you know, to, to cross off that we did and that we know about, you know, putting it into action and, um, and modeling that empathy. And it sounds like kind of like kind of too good to be true, but it, it maybe some people will think that it's cheesy, but what do you do? Human interaction is, it can be, I mean, that's the most intimate thing, right? To really interact and connect with a human being. And if you're an individual that has never had that connection or a strong connection, um, especially with adults, like the more adults that are connected with a young person, the more likely they are going to succeed, you know? And when a young person doesn't feel like they have any strong connections with any of their life, including their parents, you know, they are lost. So what are we doing as a society to make sure that those kids don't feel so damn lost, you know? Yeah. No, I really appreciate you talking about these things. I know it's not the uh, easiest conversation to have. I know it's not the uh, most fun uh, discussion for people to listen to, but I felt like this was something very important that needed to be addressed, especially with some viral videos uh, that have gone uh, around lately. And I'm sure there are others that I just haven't seen because it's it's not it's it's just impossible to see every single story out there, every single uh, video that where uh, excuse me, bullying is talked about. So. Uh, Melody, I really do appreciate your time. You got up really early uh, in your time zone to do this, so that means a lot. Uh, I know you got a very busy schedule. Before you go, uh, I know you do your um, your podcast on your uh, Facebook page. I know you're out there on Twitter. How can people uh, get in touch with you? Yeah, and before I say that, I just want to say that this has probably been the best conversation we've ever had. I am honored yes. to be on your podcast, Farzine. This means so much to me. And uh, we got to stop letting these videos go viral of these bullying, number one. But if you want to get in touch with me, um, I am MJ McCallie writes on like almost every social platform. It's M-J-M-C-A-L-L-I-W-R-I-T-E-S, facebook.com slash MJ McCallie writes, um, Twitter is MJ McCallie writes, Instagram. And um, yeah, and, and I'm Melody McAllister on YouTube. And I would love to stay in touch with people who, um, you know, want to grow our young people. I, I feel like that's my mission. I write about it a lot. I'm also a parent. I'm chaotic. I'm messy. I cuss. I'm not perfect. So if you like that side of realness and reality, um, yeah, follow me on Facebook and Twitter. And and by the way, anytime I do have a guest on, I'll put all of their links in the podcast description. So if any of you guys want to connect with Melody, I'll just have all those uh, linked in the description as well. So you can uh, check out all of her work. Uh, All right, Melody, uh, I appreciate your time as always. I know you're going to be rooting on uh, the Chiefs. Yeah, Sunday night. I'm sure Chiefs we'll. Kingdom. Oh I'm my sure, god! Yes. I'm sure we, we will have some fireside chats. I'm sure it'll be me complaining <laughs> about something that will be just completely fine in the fourth quarter. So uh, we'll uh, obviously keep in touch. Uh, but no, no, seriousness, Melody. Thank you so much. You got a busy schedule, so thanks again for your time. Uh, we'll do this again sometime. Sounds good. Thanks, Farzine. Go All Chiefs. Right. Appreciate you guys joining this episode of Farzcast. If you guys enjoyed the podcast, please share the links on social media. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Check out all my links, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, both my YouTube pages. All of that is in the podcast description. Check out those links and follow slash subscribe to those as well. All right. My name is Farzim Vasugi. And thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Farzcast Weekend Edition. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I will talk to you guys later. Take care.